Hey, what's up, Laser fans? Welcome to We Have a Take the What podcast. I am Tara Bowen Biggs, and I am joined by my friend, Rose Harding. Hi, Rose. Hi, Tara. How are you doing? Well, it's a time change day. It's, you know, so we're all just hanging in there. (laughs) How about you? I feel you very much. I feel like I exactly what happened. I feel like I got an hour of sleep stolen from me. Mm -hmm. Because children do not care about a time change. (laughs) They do not. Uh, But in addition to being the day that we we are, are we put our clocks ahead right um this is my uh terrible segue into it the fact that it's jeremy grant's birthday so happy birthday jeremy grant and it was keon johnson's birthday recently he just turned 21 so happy birthday to the two of them and that leads me to our icebreaker question for the day which is birthday themed rose do you have a celebrity birthday buddy i do have a celebrity birthday buddy my birthday is June 21st, which is summer solstice. It's the first day of summer, the longest daylight day of the year. And I will tell you that I have two birthday buddies that I know of that um, are suboptimal. I'll just say uh, my birthday. My birthday buddies are Prince William. Oh, who's he's like, I think he's a year or two older than me. And Chris Pratt. Interesting. Those are my birthday buddies. And I have to say, I don't think I'm winning any awards with my birthday. If like there's like a big birthday off and all the people on the birthdays have to like get together and do something. Um, but, uh, you know, I guess if we're in tabloids, maybe <laughs> that's the, the competition. The fact that it's on summer solstice, that's super cool, though. Mm-hmm. You know, like so it's like Rose's birthday. It's summer solstice. And these other guys also happen to celebrate. On the same day. We'll just look at it like that. That's right. That's right. What about you? You have a very special birthday that is also coming up in a couple of weeks. Yes. I And I have awesome birthday buddies. So my birthday is April Fool's Day. Yes, it is not a joke. That is my birthday. But anyway, I have awesome birthday buddies. Kevin Duckworth, former Blazer Center. Um, one of my favorite Blazers ever. He was my birthday buddy. And then also the Lopez twins have my what? birthday. Is you- that not the greatest (laughs) you have a really good birthday compared to my lame birthday it is a just an honor to share with such amazing people (laughs) i love it man i the lopez twins you get you get you get get two yeah price of one yeah the lopez twins i mean how often first you got robin lopez and now defensive player of the year candidate brooke I mean, it's just too good to be true. It really is. Sometimes I just have to pinch myself. Robin Lopez seems like the peak April Fool's Day birthday child. Does he not? You know, it's hard for me to say because like, I'm not actually a jokester. I'm not a prankster. I never have played a, a April Fool's joke on anybody, nor has anybody played one on me. And it's just like totally not my bag, but it seems like super in line with Robin Lopez. <laughs> yeah i mean like i just feel like whoever's birthday is on april 1st like should embody some aspect of a muppet and like he really does that is it that's a good way to put it um well let's go ahead and get right into things because we have a very special interview that we are going to share later on but before we get to that we do have a couple of things to cover and one of them is um we have another player of you know new player to get to know and it's your turn so who do you want to tell us about this week i'm going to tell you about ryan archie diacono 
I think that's how you say it, diacono, um, with that what with that open a. But yeah, I was saying diacono before, but I think it's diacono. Yeah, I saw one of those like there's there's a YouTube channel of like how to pronounce NBA players' names, <laughs> and they they said yeah like yak as in like the animal diacono diacono. Okay, so Ryan Curran Archie diacono, um, is he just came to us in the trade with the Knicks that brought Kim Reddish and sent Josh Hart to New York. Um, and he has been kicking around the NBA for a little while. I, it was really fun to get to know him because he has a very prolific college career. And he's also very much linked to um, a former player of the Portland Trailblazers as well, which I'll tell you about. Um, so he is he played basketball at Villanova in college. He is the son of uh, two Villanova alumni, Joe and Patty Archie Diacono, who met at Villanova. His dad played uh, football there. He was an offensive lineman. Um, he was born in Philadelphia. He has six siblings. I believe they were all born in Philadelphia. They are they are from they are Pennsylvanians. They are they are like Villanova royalty, so far as I can tell. Um, you know how Villanova some, is in Pennsylvania, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. So they whole family. I believe they, it's Villanova, Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. So they're all, so they're all like they're all like like the, their family like is very connected to that university, um, which is awesome. And apparently, so Ryan started playing basketball when he was young. Um, I would say I think that they, it says it said they said that he started when he was like eight or nine. Um, his dad installed like a plastic hoop for him when he was a little kid, even to just like shoot in the shoot in the house. Um, and one of the funny things that I read is that uh, he was first scouted by the coach of Villanova when he was at like a seventh grade basketball camp, I want to say. And he was like, that guy's going to play for the Wildcats one day. I mean, not it's it, it's. It's uh, it's funny because like, you know, his family was already like very much a Villanova family. But um, to say that when he's like in seventh grade is really awesome. And then later down the road, he ended up getting he ended up getting offers from Villanova, a couple of other big schools. I could just see him and his whole family all like decked out like head to toe in like Villanova gear and his whole like room being decked out in Villanova. And then like the Villanova coach going, I can see you playing at Villanova. Yeah. Okay. So here he got his, he got his offers from Syracuse, Florida, Texas, and Villanova. And then, you know, he committed when he, he committed to Villanova, like pretty early, like when he was like a junior or something. Um, Cause you know, if you look at like his family history, it makes sense that he would choose Villanova over anything. Um, anyway, fast forward to 2016 when he is a senior. He he played all he played all four years. He played for the national title in 2016 with Villanova against uh, North Carolina, and they won the title. And he started on that team with Jalen Brunson, Josh Hart. I believe Mikel Bridges didn't, I don't even think he started on that team, but he was on that team, Mikel Bridges. Um, and Ryan Archidiakino was the most outstanding player of the tournament that year. So for the whole NCAA tournament, um, he was named the most outstanding player of the tournament. And it was crazy because like, I remember this actually because like, um, this was 2016. I remember watching this one because my office had like a pool going, like a 
final four pool. And it was like, that was like the last one that I was ever in because after that I had a baby at the end of the year and I wasn't working after that. Um, but I remember, uh, that was a really, really, really fun team. And I remember thinking, I was like, this team is really tough. And looking back on it, I was like, I was looking at Josh Hart. I didn't know I was looking at Josh Hart, but I was looking at Josh Hart. I'm like, this team is really tough. Uh, but that, that uh, championship game ended with a really exciting final possession where the game was tied with four and a half seconds to go and Villanova gets the ball. They have, I, they must not have had a timeout or I don't know if the rules are different actually in college now that I'm thinking about it. Um, but they couldn't advance the ball. They had to just run the full court to get a shot off in four and a half seconds with the game tied. And they inbound to Ryan Archidiakono and he runs the length of the floor and he gets the ball to their three-point guy, their three-point shooter, Chris uh, Chris Jenkins, and he fires one off and hits a three to win the, win the championship. And it was like a really, really epic way to, to just win it all very much storybook ending he's like so he's like i think he was very much like known as like a, an assist guy his nickname his nickname is arch of dimes <laughs> arch of dimes arch of dimes like okay, is that the, like basketball reference nickname that i think somebody comes up with <laughs> i don't know i just read it i just read it in one article about him and i was like okay well whatever because okay so it's a play on March, which is funny. It's playing on March, March of Dimes, which is like a, like an advocacy organization. And then that's actually March of Dimes is a play on March of the Times, I think, which was a new, was one of those newsreel things that they played in front of movies, like way back in the day. Cause this is like March of Dimes was like, it, originally it was like created by FDR. Anyway. So this name has like been, it's been, it's been revamped a couple of times, which started as the March of Times became the March of Dimes. And now it's the Arch of Dimes. I had no idea that history of that phrase. That's amazing. Oh. <laughs> um, anyway, I, I, it was, well, I, I won't tell you more about it, but I, I could tell you a little more of the organization, but that's boring. And that's not why we're here. Um, anyway, he was known as a, a great assist guy, I think. And like, obviously that assist to win the championship was like huge. Right. Um, and that like solidified him as Villanova royalty. He had his Jersey retired, I think in 2020, um, February 2020, the same month, he and Kyle Lowry both had their jerseys retired by Villanova that month. Um, and so he he and Kyle Lowry, which I kind of forgot Kyle Lowry was there, but he was there before um, that group I just talked about. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, so they both had their jerseys retired and that's really great. They're both both point guards for Villanova, both had ended up with NBA careers four out of the four out of that got four guys out of that team from that Villanova team ended up in the NBA like Jalen Brunson and Josh Hart are um still kicking around honestly that trade it's crazy that trade involves three teammates mm -hmm. um with the trade between the Blazers and the Knicks like then that had three guys from Villanova from that team together like all in that mixed up in that trade so Jalen Brunson lost uh Ryan and then he gained Josh in that trade as a and that seems to be going pretty well for the Knicks. <laughs> yeah. And actually, and now I think about it, I think Mikel Bridges was also traded during that trade deadline too. So Mikel Bridges, because he got traded for Kevin Durant. That's so right. All those guys were on the move during the trade deadline. And is he in Brooklyn now? Yeah, I think so. Right. <gasps> so they're all back together in New York. Oh, yeah. Aww. Except for Ryan, who's here in right. Portland. Right. But the other three are. 
yeah that's really fun i was i also i just i think i said this before on an earlier podcast but, but i just love that video of jalen brunson excited to get josh hart on his team when they like you you get i don't know someone had like a phone their phone out recording him and he got to see the news someone else hands him a phone and he looks at it and he celebrates because i just i like it when players are wanted wherever they're traded it's my favorite thing if they're not going to be a blazer i want them to be wanted wherever they end up um anyway so ryan archie diacono uh he ha- he was drafted sorry i think he no sorry excuse me he was not drafted <laughs> He was not drafted, but he ended up playing with the Austin Spurs on the G League um, after uh, the 2016 draft. Um, he he kind of kicked around. He kicked around on the Austin Spurs for a year. He I think he went. He was originally going to play in Italy. Um, they they were he was going to originally play in Italy, and I know that there's something he's there's some stuff in his bio about him playing for like an experimental Italy national team. But like he actually wasn't eligible to play for like um for like citizenship reasons. I don't remember he he basically was able to play by way of um like lineage, not because of citizenship, but one of his ancestors in his lineage had like denounced their Italian. Oh, and that interfered with his ability to yeah, so he couldn't actually, so he wasn't actually eligible to play for their for their national team based on that. I don't know. I, every every country has their own rules around how mm-hmm. they how players are eligible to play for them. But so he was not actually eligible to play in the end for them. Um, he signed a four a, a four excuse me a two way contract with the Bulls in 2017, which is his second year after college, and then um, after like splitting some time between their G league team and like the, and like the, the NBA bulls team, he signed uh, like a, like a standard contract with the NBA. He, they, they brought him back from this two way. So he signed a three-year contract to play with the bulls. So he was with the bulls until 2021. And then in the off season, he signed with the Boston Celtics. This is a weird thing. He signed with the, he, he signed with the Boston Celtics they waived him like i don't know a couple months later like in october they signed him in like september they waived him in october and then he like signed with a g league team he signed with the main celtics um and then he was signed to the knicks uh at last jan or two january's ago january 2022 he signed a 10 day with the knicks and then he was waived by the knicks and then he signed another 10 day with the Knicks like later and he didn't play. and then he, he never played on any of these teams that he was on 10 days with. Um, and then he went back to the G League and played with the main Celtics and then again was signed in the Knicks in the offseason last year and then was traded to Portland. So he really hasn't had like a good opportunity to like do a whole lot in the NBA. It feels like he's like. He's never really had like a he's never really had a roster spot. He's kind of bounced up and down between like the G League and the NBA. Um, I mean, for a long time, I'll just put it out there. It's been a long like this is like, you know, 2017. He's been kicking around since then just on 10 days and G League and, you know, a couple of a couple of actual like standard NBA contracts in there. But like he's very had very limited time to play. He seems to be like picked up like midseason or like 
waived very early in the season. Like he's just never quite had like a like a defined role anywhere. So I don't know what Portland has um, hopes for him for. I don't know if they brought him in just to have flexibility at point guard in case they decided that they were just going to, you know, pack it up for the season and just play it out like they did last year. I'm not super sure, but I know that um, he hasn't really had a shot. I know that he was great in college and I know that, you know, he's definitely like a point guard in the way that we haven't had necessarily a lot of backup point guards in Portland. Um, You know, we often have like, guys that we turn into combo guards or something and they play back a point and mm-hmm. ball handlers right 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 like playmakers ball hand like i don't know like so he's just like a true point guard like it, probably said more, more probably since like shabazz remember like when we had shabazz mm-hmm. napier he was like a like a point guard and i think he's like more like in that vein of a player shabazz was the man oh man I, I miss I, I miss Shabazz and I miss the silly commercials that NBA players used to do. Um, you know, going all the way back to like La Marcus and Robin Lopez singing McLaughlin Auto Mart. Um, and then Shabazz is the man and Yusuf Nurkic in a bus or whichever that one was. <laughs> you no, know, Yusuf Nurkic in a van. Driving a uh, van. Driving the van. Um, oh, I miss all that good stuff. And Archie Diacono, like that last name, seems like it could be like really great for like some sort of um, uh, marketing. <laughs> seems like they could have fun, fun with that. Um, my question about Archie Diacono, and also just sort of actually, it's more just an observation of a lot of the players who just came to the Blazers is, you know, these guys who were so good and had such moments in high school and college i mean this is like you know what you described you know his that final assist that he got of his college career and it got them a national championship it just gets me wondering about you know players like what it's like to like go through that and then not get drafted and then spend seven years or however many years you know bouncing around reminds me kind of a little bit of like gary payton um he was lucky enough that he ended up with the Golden Warriors and was able to fill a really specific role in a really well established. But they were able to; they were also willing to to take a chance on him. We now have Kevin Knox, who we heard about last week. We have Ryan Archidiakono, who you tell us about, and the next week I'm going to talk about Cam Reddish. And these are all guys with like significant college, um, uh, you know, careers or moments in college. And who just have not been able to stick in a, I mean, I would, I guess maybe we could say Cam Reddish has, has stuck a little bit, but just are not the big stars, you know? And I wonder how much of it is like, are we seeing Mike Schmidt going after Schmidt's going after players that he really liked when he was a draft guy for mm. ESPN? Um, I'm, I like, I want to go back and just like Google and find out like who were some of the players that he was really high on that maybe might end up in Portland or may have already ended up in Portland. Because I bet that there, I bet we're going to see a little bit of a correlation. I'm not, not a lot necessarily. Um, But yeah, it's, you want these guys to succeed so badly, (laughs) but they're not always brought into situations where they're going to get a chance. Yeah. It's, it, it's really interesting to think about that because like I, more and more I've been thinking about how I think that where guys get drafted can sometimes dictate what their ceiling ends up looking like. Not necessarily this like innate 
thing that has to do with just the player. Like a lot of people talk about, oh, what's this guy's ceiling? What's this guy's ceiling? I'm like, yeah, but his ceiling on like being drafted by one team might be very different than his ceiling than drafted by another because some teams are just not, they're just not developers. Well, yeah, and I'm still trying to figure out if the Trailblazers are developers, you know, like because Damian Lillard came out like fully baked and ready to go like he was yeah. a decorated cake right out of the oven <laughs> he yeah. was ready to go handed him the ball and he went and then we had Myers and Will you know all around the same time Will left before we could really see Myers never really fulfilled but was that injury was that development was that derailed when coach um the big man coach that was that was um let go who was Myers like really important mentor oh yeah Kim something yes um I can't I'm blanking on his name but you know so it's kind of like Anthony is like the person that we're watching like we've like Anthony's been in the system now mm-hmm. and I think we you know even though he has had two different coaches he's been in the system and it looks to me like you know he's been pretty systematically developed. We're still waiting to see the defense fully mature, Mm -hmm. but offensively, he's certainly, you know, come into his own. It'll be really interesting to see what happens with Shaden. But I'm just, I'm just not sure how much evidence we have to say what, especially now that we have, you know, a different coach over the last two years, like what is our development system? Like, is it successful? And if we're going to be going into years where we're going to have draft and maybe lottery picks <laughs> are we equipped so that the players who come to portland have the success that you know maybe commensurate with their like college success or are they just gonna fall away and get you know bounced around for a while it's interesting i think that there was a time where we did fancy ourselves a development team you know like back like right around like the will barton time like remember we had alan crab and we had developed him into like a good role player. And then we paid a ton of money for him and then traded him to New York. I don't really super duper know what happened there, but I know that, you know, we developed him to a point where we, we, we deemed him successful and other teams thought so too. Cause you know, he was like a three and D guy. I don't know. I don't know if I, that's maybe like over overselling his defense, but he shot the three very well. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there was, you know, so there was, um, we had Alan Crab. Um, shout out to Crab People, and <laughs> we had like Will Barton, who ended up being quite good in in Denver. And then we, I think we kind of fancied ourselves a developer. Like that's why I feel like that's what we thought Myers Leonard was going to be was a development project, mm-hmm. and he never quite panned out. And Zach Collins was yeah. another one. My Zach, I feel like had a lot of injuries that really like stunted his like development in Portland. Myers, I feel like had like a psychological ceiling or something, something that like really like he had like some barriers to him, like really like fully forming as a player when he was here. But beyond all the whatever happened with him afterwards, Mm -hmm. you know, like I just feel like he like developed into a guy that was almost a role player. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But, you know, maybe like our system didn't suit him in the end or I don't know, but. it's so hard to tell it goes back to like questions that you and I are constantly asking ourselves about like um yeah we like you said we fancy our we we fancied ourselves developmental role players because we were hearing from 
loud voices that the Blazers were good at that. You know, at the time, I think it came from Neil Olshay, who, you know, insist was going to turn anything into a gem um, that he possibly could get anywhere near. Right. But and it's like, I just think it's so important to step back and go, okay, is that, is that true? Is that really? And I'm always like, I, I find myself like getting all caught up in like the narrative of like, yeah, we're really great at developing players. And like, maybe we are, or maybe they are, maybe the Blazers are, or maybe they're really good at developing, you know, people. And maybe the, you know, the basketball part doesn't, you know, pan out, but they've been really well taken care of by the organization. They've been shown how to, you know, be responsible adults in this way that you're like thrown into it at age 18 and or 19 or 20. And suddenly you have to like learn how to be an adult all on your own with millions of dollars. And maybe the trailblazers have lately been doing a good job of that, but are there basketball spill skills? Like, you know, commensurately being, being developed. I don't know. And I think that's always a good thing for us to like pause and ask. And I don't, I don't know what the measurement is, but I'm always going to keep asking. Yeah. Especially for like, you know, so there's some teams that have just kind of solidified themselves as like that kind of, it's like the Spurs, you know, the Spurs Mm -hmm. like to develop guys and they've had a really consistent like leadership around that, you know, like when we're talking about like the transition from like one coaching staff to another coaching staff, and I'm not really sure what went into the, like the thinking behind assembling this one. Um, we got to know the, like the, it, we were really lucky because we got to know the last one so well. Um, we had some really visible assistants, you know, we, we saw a lot of like, not just Stotts, but then we saw like a lot of um, Vanderpool and Nate Tibbetts and like, those guys were all very like, I don't know. We got to know, we got to know what they were all about. Like, I feel like, over the years by having them together for like, I don't know, like eight or nine, Mm -hmm. nine years or something. And, and then like, now we don't even know really what happened, like why this particular group is together yet. We haven't gotten to know them that yet. I know that, you know, Scott Brooks did, did, did a pretty good job developing guys um, when he was a head coach, like, you know, that he had a lot of talent, but he looks like he was able to like really maximize it too. Yeah, I keep on thinking about, like, is he, like, the person who best knew how to, like, put Russell Westbrook into situations where he could be good? Like, I don't know. I mean, maybe other guys have done it, too, but, like, that's what it feels like. He Like, Russell Westbrook's most successful stint was with was with Scott Brooks. And maybe that's why they brought him back to Washington, you know. Uh, they, they brought Russell Westbrook to Washington because they were like, if anyone can do something with them, it's Scott Brooks. But I don't know. I don't know anything about this group. I mean, I know some about this group, but like, I still, it takes years. I feel like to get to know like an assistant staff. Cause they're just not as always as prominent except for during those halftime interviews. But like yeah. 50% of those are Rodney Billups. Show <laughs> us some of the other guys. Let some of the other guys talk. He must always draw the short straw. Cause you know that they're not very excited about having to do those. They don't yeah. ever seem like they're very excited to have to do it. But I guess if you get to do it and talk to Brooke Olsen, damn, you know, that's at least, at least you get to talk to Brooke. Yeah, seriously, they it should be the long straw. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> to get to talk to Brooke. That's true. That's true. That's how it balances out. Well, that was a little bit of a diversion from Archie Diacono. Uh, anything else that you want to tell us about him? Um, the only thing I wanted to say is other thing I want to say is that he has uh he he has a, a a longtime partner. He's engaged, and I think he's getting married this summer. I don't think he has any pets based on his social presence i've spent some time looking at a social presence i don't think he's um 
got any pets. But he has a large family. So it's possible that somebody in the family has pets. It is possible. He has, he is, there's six children in his family. He has three older siblings and two youngers that are twins. Um, so there's possible that there's pets involved. They're still very like, I think his family is still very Pennsylvania based. So he's just, he's just like a Pennsylvania boy. I just took another look. I just don't see pets, but he also has traveled so much over the last like six years where he's never really had like a home for longer than like a year or so maybe like it's just not that practical which i get that like who wants to travel with a dog not me mm-hmm. and i have yeah, a dog. and be disruptive to the to to a pet too to move yeah. around that much For maybe sure. they have some family pets that someday we'll find out mom and dad have pets or something like that it's true so it's something to keep an eye on but i have so far seen no evidence of pets well, and I noticed that he was recently upgraded to questionable. Um, he looked like he recently was having, I think, back soreness. And now he's been upgraded to questionable. So maybe we'll start to see him on the court a little bit. Yeah, that would be great. I'm not going to hold uh, my breath, but <laughs> maybe. He played like one game and then all of a sudden he was on the injury report. Um, do you have any quick observations about how the Blazers are looking with Nurkic and Anfernee back in a very, very small sample size, but exciting nonetheless? I thought that actually the Blazers looked really good. Honest. Like, so I know that we, everyone was really disappointed with that 76ers game because we lost at the buzzer and we were like leading up until like, I don't know, the last like two seconds and then we lost. So what else is new, right? So what else is new? And I know people are going to focus on the fact that Nurk missed four free throws in the end. Like, I know that. But like when I watched him play the whole rest of the game, he did exactly what we wanted him to do. He was exactly who we wanted him to be for like 98% of like what we saw. The, the things that obviously people are going to remember are things that at the end that didn't go so well. But like, honestly, when I look at him defending that Joel Embiid, shot at the end it's just a great shot Joel Embiid is so good and so so hard to defend and it was so nice to like not have to worry about that being just poor Drew Eubanks the whole time yes and like you know I don't think that Nurk any like when I like watch I watched that play back a couple of times and I'm like I don't think he did anything wrong here he did the best that he could do he defended him as well as he could. And Joel Embiid is just an MVP caliber player. Mm-hmm. That's just the breaks. And that's not Nurk. Nurk is still very good, though. And he, like, you know, I don't, I know that it all comes down to, like, you know, a couple of points in the very end. But, like, that's not on him, in my opinion. Like, that that loss. I mean, obviously, yes, he could have made his free throws. But I don't think he could have defended that possession any better that where Joel Embiid hit that insane like fall away basket mm-hmm. and I don't think that he played poorly the rest of the way I think that you know they're just a better team than we are and Nurk did exactly what he was supposed to do mm-hmm. and Ant looked great too actually I was really surprised at how like well he was moving I don't know if you like I, I don't know I expected him to come out slower for some reason because he had re-aggravated that like sprain but he, I thought he looked I thought he looked good what'd you think yeah, I mean, I feel the same way generally about both of them. I mean, with with Nurk, it's just like I said, so nice to like have somebody else to absorb some of that just bruising, um, you know, strength of a guy like Joel Embiid. Yeah, and um, you know that 
when you know Nurkic backed him down, he didn't just like bounce right back off of him, <laughs> like, no. like Drew tended to. And also, you know, Drew has you know shown that he's like a capable screen setter, a capable pick and roll partner. But Damian doesn't seem to like feel quite as comfortable with it as he just like when you get Nurk back in there, both with Damian and with Anthony, it just looks so natural. That partnership of the pick and yeah. roll and um, just like Nurk screens have got to just be like a warm, cozy comfort blanket when you get him back out there, um, you know, to, to block the others from coming at you. Um, so yeah, I, I, it's just, it's nice. It's nice to see him back. It's just, it's hard to see the team struggling um to win i did i wanted to say that last week i said that um the blazers the one thing that we knew about stats is that that he could beat bad teams and it didn't feel like chauncey billups could and i was actually wrong about that like against like the three bottom teams like bottom of the bottom of the bottom the blazers i believe are undefeated or very close <laughs> to being undefeated well that's um, something i guess so that's something. I mean, I it really felt to me like they were not beating the bottom of the bottom, but it was hard. <laughs> None My, of them were e- – I mean, there were a few easy wins, but a lot of them were a lot harder than they needed to be. <laughs> My biggest complaint about coaching, which, you know, I'm not – Everybody take that with a grain of salt. I am not a coaching expert in any way, shape, or form. But my biggest complaint is that we blow big leads a lot. And I do remember, like, sometimes we could do that with in, in, in the Stotts era. We would see the Blazers blow big leads. But there was very few games that I felt like ended in a way where we couldn't get anything done and we never could right the ship. A lot of the times that would happen in the Stotts era and it would be too late. The hole would be too big to, to crawl out of it. But like he would always find something that would more or less work toward the end and whether or not there was enough time left. And he would try his best to manage the clock and like manage the game for his team to give them as much as much time as possible to win a game. But like there wasn't always enough time left for the Blazers to crawl out of some of those holes. We did see them crawl out of some miraculous holes sometimes. I remember one time when we were playing on the road in like Washington, they crawled out of like a 12 or 14 point hole in like two minutes and it was like totally wild. I was listening on the radio and I couldn't even believe I thought I was I, I thought it wasn't even the same game. Um, <laughs> but like it doesn't it doesn't feel like the end of Chauncey Billups games feel like that. I don't I feel like there are there are ends of games where he never figures out something for his team that will work and they get completely stuffed at the mm-hmm. end of a fourth quarter. Mm hmm. And that's what bothers me. I'm like, can you not problem solve in the moment? Like if your plan A doesn't work, do you have a plan B? Can you not audible? Like, cause that's a problem for me. <laughs> I I have the, a, a similar feeling. I feel like halftime rarely does them any good. Like during the last game, I was like, just don't even go to halftime <laughs> because what seems to happen is the other team figures the blazers out. Yeah. And and then they just come out and they just apply everything that they learned. Like, it's like, it's like, it's almost like the other team just lets the Blazers play however they're going to play in the first half, takes what they give them, you know, lets them score a bunch because that's what the Blazers do is they score a bunch and then they come out and, and then they go to halftime and they go, okay, here's what the Blazers are doing and here's how we're going to counter it. And then they go do it. And that's it. And that's all she wrote. Yeah. <laughs> that's when the Blazers don't like. have a, they don't have a plan B and they're like, well, this isn't working anymore. Mm-hmm. Oh well, yeah. Just keep trying. Keep shooting, Dame. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll have, you know, we have a handful of games left to to find out how that is all going to be. And maybe we'll see Archidiacono in a couple of them, or maybe we won't. I don't know. Um, it's hard to know how, if any of these players are going to be um, with us in, in what role they're going to be in. It's a weird time. It's a weird time. <laughs> Should we um, pivot to introducing our um, uh, our interview that we've got? Yes. And then we'll come back and wrap up with Social Media Player of the Week. Yep. That sounds great. Okay. Well, we had the pleasure today of talking to United States Senator Ron Wyden. Uh, how fun is that? He um, is a, a huge basketball fan, huge Trailblazer fan, and um, he has been he's locally been doing a couple of things that are pretty exciting and pretty significant to basketball and blazer fans he um had the wnba commissioner in town to uh try to get um you know some momentum for portland getting a wnba team and then he also um is a was a friend of bill shawnley and will be one of the speakers at the public um memorial which will be held tomorrow so today is sunday we're recording this on sunday and on monday will be the memorial so if you're listening to this before or after um we ask him about that and his relationship with bill shonley senator wyden thank you so much for joining us today it is a pleasure to have you on again for the second time well you're great to have me and uh, and i think your show is uh is really important because we got to get the word out about women's sports. We got to get the word out about blazers. We just need more people talking us up. That is right. And Rose and I can talk for hours. We've learned that we have a really hard time keeping our episodes short because we have a lot to say, but we're going to get focused right now because we have you for a short time. And so um, I was wondering if first you could start off by kind of telling us a little bit about your, how you became such a big basketball and Portland trailblazer fans. Just so folks know. People, I think, have heard the story. What I wanted to be was an NBA player. You know, I just sort of dribbled my way through childhood. You know, I was hoping and convinced it could happen. I was 6'4". I made up for it by being slow. And I finally got a college scholarship to Cal at Santa Barbara. And I played sophomore ball and varsity ball, but it it just wasn't ever going to happen. And now... I think what people are most interested in is I got a scholarship offer from Gonzaga, which of course is a major basketball power. And I would have gotten even more bench time there than at Cal, but uh, I put the scholarship offer up on my wall. And people often say, hey, Ron, you know, we knew you were a hooper, but you know, what's the deal with the scholarship? I said, just want the world to know long after I'm gone that a Jewish kid could play with the Jesuits. love it now um and growing up always a trailblazer fan any Uh, other teams you may have followed yeah i mean my life was sort of the journalism equivalent of being in the military my dad moved everywhere and so i picked up on the on the teams um you know i always followed whoever was was in town and particularly watched watched the moves my problem was that you know, I wish that coming up, I'd spent more time in the backcourt, you know, improving my my dribble and handle and all, all of those kinds of things. But um, I ended up being a small forward. We had a great team. I 
was in a East-West All-Star game after high school. So I kept operating under this delusion that wasn't to be that I could make it in the NBA. Well, you know, recently the Blazers had a lot of injuries and maybe they could have used a small forward to come in for a couple of games. <laughs> I, 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 I guess people say that from, from time to time. I don't think we're quite in those straits, however. <laughs> You never know. Maybe that 10-day offer is going to be coming and you can put that up next to the letter. Next to the it's kind of like that old old classic movie, Damn Yankees, where the guy sells his soul in order to get a few games when he's stuck. <laughs> Pretty ancient. Well, I'm going to, uh, I want to ask you about a meeting that you recently convened with local leaders um, and invited WNBA Commissioner Kathy Engelbert to town to talk potentially about bringing a WNBA team to Portland. So how did that meeting go? It was a huge success. And, you know, it was so important that we really take public what incredible uh, opportunities we can present the NBA if we get get chosen. The WNBA team in Portland would be a slam dunk success. The roundtable for Commissioner Engelbert showed it. We had an all-star team of Oregonians at the sports bra. Again, another Oregon first. There's nothing like that in the United States. The executives from the Thorns and the uh, and the Blazers, and then you had the head coach of the University of Oregon women's sports team sitting next to the head coach of the OSU women's sports uh, team. So I think uh, it would just be a huge economic winner uh, for the city for the Blazers. You know, if you look at a WNBA season, forty games, twenty at home, that's twenty at Moda in the summer. And I I was sitting at the sports bra talking to Jenny uh, even before we had uh, the program. And I said, what a shot in the arm. We can come to sports bra and everybody can relax and have great sandwiches and beer and all this. Then we can walk to Moda and see an NBA playoff game, WNBA playoff game. That sounds amazing. I want that for us. That's it. That's what we're working for. And by the way, I think Adam Silver is sympathetic to us too. He was a student intern to Congressman Lessa Coyne when I was a brand new congressman. So I'm a little bit older, not that much. But I always kid him. He's always described in the press releases as being a friend of Les uh, and myself. And then they say he was a student intern. He said, I want my resume for the NBA to show that I got an advancement from being an intern. I got actually to handle the desk where you could take phone calls. (laughs) That's amazing. I didn't know that about Adam Silver. I didn't know he was connected to Oregon politics at all. He's got a real, real connection and a real affinity for uh, Portland. He was in town when Kathy um, came, and he's been very, very um, supportive. He knows all of the the leaders at Nike and in sports in uh, in Portland, and just has been such a terrific uh, advocate for giving us opportunities to make make our case. And you know, I'm, I'm telling you, I was there. Uh, and Eugene at Matt Knight uh, to watch the Ducks play the Beavers and then at Guild to see the Beavers play Colorado. I mean, we just got it in terms of sports. I mean, women's sports is a juggernaut in our state, economic and uh, in terms of the contributions to our communities. Are there any concrete are, are there any concrete ne- next steps or anything we in the community can do to support this effort? Well, we'll have a little bit more to say about that, guys. I don't want to kind of front run. Um, what we're up to, but you'll have a little bit more um, here shortly. You know, what I'm trying to do is sort of work with all of the the people who've got a great interest. I really want to play praise the Blazers and the and the Thorns and you know all our teams have really stepped up. Nobody is 
like jockeying for turf or trying to take credit and all this. What I thought was important is that we finally go public and we had a chance uh, to uh, to really showcase how much enthusiasm there was. You know, at the end at the end of it, I said, "Let everybody in the United States pretend that there's like five seconds left in a WNBA playoff game and uh, the Portland team is playing somebody else. Let's see how noisy you can be." And everybody just practically took the uh, roof off the sports bra. So I think it was really good good time and. Uh, and Kathy Engelberg walked walked out of there, and you saw the presser she did afterwards, saying, "This is a town that really cares about women's sports." I'm so excited. I guess we'll have to keep our fingers crossed and hope for good news, because Tara and I will be there on opening night. Yeah, you can count on it. We'll sit with you. <laughs> All right. Um, I wanted to ask you, because um, tomorrow um, Rip City is going to be honoring the legendary Bill Shonley with a public memorial service, and I know that you are scheduled to speak there. I was wondering if you could tell us a little about your about your friendship with the Shans. Well, he he and I were very close. You know, we go back to the original Blazer years. Um, Larry Weinberg and Harry Glickman, and you know, nobody really believed in us. You know, we were just kind of an outpost out west, and you know, they were all gaga over the Celtics and the 76ers and and, uh, and the Lakers. And there was sort of a small group of us. I was a young house member, had a full head of hair and rugged good looks and all that. And, uh, you know, we just came became really good friends. Larry Weinberg, Harry Glickman, Bill. And of course, everybody remembers that moment when we won, won the title. And Sean Lee said, the game is over. The game is over. And, you know, we're going to we're going to get that back. It's going to happen. I want it to happen on Dame's watch. Oh, my gosh, I would give anything to have that happen on Dame's watch. <laughs> um, before we let you go, Tara told me that there is a little story about you and a free throw contest in the House of Representatives. And I haven't heard it. And I was wondering if you would tell it to me. Because the Jewish people would say, oy vey. So- <laughs> I was okay at the line during my, you know, career, even a little better at at the line in high school than I was in college. But I was, you know, always middle 70s, you know, sort of 75, somewhere in there. So House of Representatives has a free throw shooting contest, and it's proctored because everybody takes this stuff seriously. Gym attendant is there and rolls out the ball, and I just basically roll it back. I said, I'm not going to be an embarrassment here. And my son was with me, my older son. And he said, dad, you got to do this. So I took a couple of free, uh, free throws to practice and maybe made one, just one, you know, that kind of stuff. And picked up the ball and started shooting. And I first ran 25 in a row. I was 25, my first shot. I missed one, ran another 20 or so, missed another, ran another string, missed another, 47 out of 50. Now, I live in fear today of being dragged into another charitable contest or some good guy think, and I'll make some fraction of what I made. And everybody will say it was a scandal. He didn't really make 47 out of 50. They were just fudging, puffing up these Congress people and all that. But uh, my, one of my favorite stories uh, about that is a whole bunch of Congress people uh, were in the back of the chamber one day, and one of them said, um, 
I'm so excited. I won the free throw shooting contest. And everybody said, oh, congratulations. What did you do? 44 out of 50. And the next day I saw him, he walked up to me. He was a very good friend. He goes, I am clinically depressed. And he described how frustrated he was that he thought he was going to win. But, um, you know, this is all fun. By the way, speaking of charity, I'm going to mention uh, at the Sean services, and you can have this, that, you know, I have town hall meetings in every county. I've had more than a thousand of them. And I can't tell you how many times I've rolled into an itty bitty radio station in rural Oregon or some other kind of media outlet in the rural part of the state. And there will be a gigantic picture of Bill Shonlin where he was participating in a charitable golf event. There was a community barbecue. There was a this, there was a that. But Bill Shonley, apart from everything else, and people don't know about him and talk about it, was a phenomenal ambassador. And any time anybody was trying to do something that would give a little boost to the club, they would just bring out, you know, Bill Shonley. And, uh, and I can only tell you, I'm around the state a lot. Bill Shonley is an institution and you can walk in just about anywhere where people gather. There's Shonley stories, Shonley accounts of what he did for a local charity. And up on the wall in the radio station is a signed picture from Bill Shonley to a wonderful itty bitty radio station in rural Oregon. I love that so much. I was always so proud to see him representing us so well for so many years of his life as someone who is not like an elected official, anything like that. He just did it because he was one of us. Such a good guy. I'm going to touch on it um, at, uh, at the service, but I'm going to keep it forever is uh, a message that I've kept on my iPhone from Bill, where he wants to talk mostly just recently, he wants to talk mostly about social security. And was Social Security going to be there for him and all the other seniors? And most of the messages say, make sure it's there for Dottie, too. And so, you know, they were teammates. And we're going to talk about that this week. That's wonderful. Wonderful. What a what a prize to have on your phone. Some, you know, a message with the golden pipes. <laughs> golden pipes, lickety Lickety Brindle up the middle. Lickety yeah. Brindle up the middle and climbing the golden ladder. Yes. We all have our uh our our favorite memories of of what Sean Lee used to say. I think Lickety Brindle up the middle was my uh favorite one. And obviously you took you've got to make your free throws to heart. Um <laughs> got to make your free throws. <laughs> all right, you guys. Listen, Thank you so let's, much. Let's just say out of this. Now, I'm chairman of the finance committee and all that, so I'm going to make a motion. It's not a legal thing, but I'm going to move when we get our WNBA team, the three of us are going to be up, up front, and I'm going to persuade Nancy Wyden, owner of the Strand, to be there too. Okay, we got a deal? Love That's it. That's a deal. That's Love a deal. It. Thank you so right, much you for your time, Senator. A lot of fun. Talk to you. Be good. Bye-bye. Thank you. Uh, well, that was very exciting to get to talk to Senator Wyden. I I wanted to say, like, I did not realize that Adam Silver was connected to uh, Portland politics in any way, shape or form and connected to Lessa Coyne, who is the father of Trailblazers superfan Kelly Coyne. So that's I know. Sort of fun. Funny little thing, isn't it? Yeah, that's like and 
you know, it's funny when I knew that Kelly O'Coin was a very big Blazers fan, I actually didn't even realize he was the son of Les O'Coin, even though that is not a common last name and I should have known better. <laughs> but we can all cross our fingers now and hope that Portland gets a WNBA team because I know that uh, we will be there. We will get all the merch. Yes, we, will... we need to um, also like keep this recording because we were invited by him to go with him. <laughs> right, that's right. You and me and our best friend, Senator Wyden, are going to be there courtside for the first WNBA game in Portland. That would be amazing. Well, and also we had really limited time with him, so I, I didn't bring it up. But um, I did go to Basketball Reference and find he has a page on Basketball <laughs> Reference for his year that he played for UCSB, University of California, Santa Barbara. And he kind of downplayed his free throw percentage because in college, his free throw percentage was um, 82%. So that's not too shabby. That's good. Um, he also shot 50% from the field. Um, so, you know, he played a total of 16 games and um, his average was 2.6 points and 1.5 rebounds. 1.5 rebounds, you know, for a guy who didn't get a ton of playing time. Good job. And, you know, I think he, I think they could have put him out there during the time when the Blazers were so injured and they were looking for players. Yeah. I mean, it couldn't have hurt. You know, yeah. we could use any rebound we could pick up. <laughs> it's just, it's really, I just think it's really fun to have like a, a, a representative or a, I guess he's a senator, but like a politician be really into the Blazers and the team. And he clearly like, he lights up, like we don't have yeah. this on video, but he lit up when he was talking about the Blazers. And I think that's, I just think that's really fun. Yeah. It's funny. Cause I do think that in politics, there's like a weird, like, there's like a there's like there I don't know there's like a weird playbook for like how as a politician you should be into local sports and you should be into a little bit of pop culture and this and that but like you can tell the ones that aren't really fans they don't know the yeah. players they don't like remember when Mitt Romney like somebody went, gives them a t-shirt to put on yeah Mitt Romney went to like a jazz game and he had like he put on like a jazz jersey like over his like button down and it was like it had like all the fold marks still in it, it was like it was like 2xl and it had like all the fold marks still in it because they just bought it from like the shop really quick and put it on him to sit courtside and I'm like that's okay okay I mean good like I know that's what you should do but also like you don't have to pretend you're a super fan <laughs> Yeah. And Senator Wyden seems like a guy who has his own collection of jerseys, each of which has like a sentimental like story behind it. Totally, totally. Well-worn jerseys and hats and merch that like, you know, are from X season or Y season, probably yeah. spanning all of the fonts we've ever used. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, that was that was super fun. So I hope people enjoyed that one. Um, Should we move on to social media player of the week? Let's do it. This was a good week. They, I swear, they know that we're doing this now. I think they're, so. They're stepping up their game. They really are. Um, okay, well, I'll I'll start with one one of the ones that I put in. Um, Jabari doing a TikTok dance video. I mean, that's like all that you could ask for, right? Is it's your true. young guys out there doing dances? I mean, and these guys are usually like, you know, can they can be a little buttoned up. And, you know, not wanting to do dances. I always love it when Damien comes out with a dance video. But this week it was Jabari. So, um, yeah, I'm going to nominate uh, Jabari's TikTok dance video. And he's doing it with a, a friend who I, he's been in video, has been in his videos before. And he does hashtag siblings. And 
I don't, it's not his, it's a different name than his sister is. I don't, I don't believe it's his sister, but it's clearly it's a close friend and they call each other like twinsies and stuff. Um, so he, she must just be like a, a really good friend of his because um, they've made a, a, a few videos together. But um, yeah, my nominee Jabari for his TikTok dance video. Yeah, I want to nominate Jeremy Grant. Because this comes back to our last week's podcast where you told me how you, when you saw him at the Rip City United fan event, that you told him that you noticed that he invested in nice rain gear and um, you were going to take that as a sign he was staying. Well, cut to this week. I think Jeremy heard that and remembered that because he posted on social this week of him getting a bunch of new Architerix rain gear. He posted him picking it up from the store and thanking the woman who helped him get it. And then he also posts himself wearing it to a game. Tara, he is telling you something. I mm-hmm. this is this is big. That's all I have to say. <laughs> this is big. He's invested in rain gear. He's just in case anybody missed it, he's like loudly proclaiming it on social media. Look at me in all my rain gear. Guess where I want to stay and play out my career. Mm-hmm. That's that. So that's my nominee. Oh, I wanted to say one more thing about Jeremy. Um, so we're recording on Jeremy's birthday. Here's a fun fact for um, uh, for people. One of our one of our longtime listeners, awesome supporter of the podcast, uh, Anise on Twitter. Um, I think he's. Oh, I don't have his um, his handle called up, but everybody knows Anise. Everybody who's a Blazer fan knows him because he's a huge, uh, huge fan. His late father actually delivered Jeremy Grant. Isn't that cool? It's so cool. He was Anise a physician is- and de- and delivered him. How cool is that? Anise is at Brown Blazer PDX for those of you who would like to follow him. I know that's the coolest thing, and also just like I don't know, like it just it it uh it it really reminds you how like many generations of roots blazer fans are sometimes mm-hmm. enjoying you know mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i love it i just think that's really cool so shout out to our friend anise uh let's see okay i'll do the next we're back on social media player of the week um again it was keon's birthday and trendon shared a cute picture of the two of them getting their championship t-shirts for when they won the summer league championship and uh trendon said june bug and then like the strong arm and the saluting emoji says happy birthday to my dog i am keon johnson so we we always are supporters of the guys supporting each other. So that's another nomination for uh, player I, of the week. I also want to know do do we think that Junebug is his nickname for Keon? It might be. Like, what is Junebug if it's not his little pet name for his yeah. friend? It, Which it, is just the cutest. Yeah. <laughs> and I can see Trendon like having really cute, good nicknames for people, and not just calling him, you know, KJ or something like that. Yeah. Totally. I love that. Okay. Three. Do we have three? Do we have more? Um, sh- who do you want to go to next? We have a couples in our document. Um, I think we should go to the bottom. Yeah. Dame did a couple of things. He's was, he's been posting about his formula zero uh, participants and he also retweeted a, a Woj tweet from 2012. From draft day. From draft day. Um, June 28th, 2012. 
Woj tweeted, Portland understands. Unless it drafts Damian Lillard at number six, he won't be there at 11. Paul Allen is enamored with the point guard. Also, can I just say, like, I kind of miss having an owner who, like, just loved players so much that he was, like, involved in drafting. Because I just can't imagine what Jody's doing. Hmm. Not falling in love with players. Hmm. Yeah. (laughs) I also love the poetry of Adrian's. It's because it's Portland understands. Mm-hmm. semicolon <laughs> also wasn't this the year that he started or, colon he, sorry he started doing like weird tweets where like he wasn't saying like so-and-so is picking so-and-so so like he started to try to make them more a little like colorful yeah i feel like it was after that because it would be like portland is laser focused on so-and-so <laughs> yes. um i feel like this was before he got he had to change that but it's also just weirdly like i'm not saying who they're gonna draft but this is who they're gonna draft but yeah but we're not it's not draft day it's we're nowhere near draft day here now in march and damien tweeted it yesterday he retweeted it with three fire emojis (laughs) like what was he doing was he just like god i just love damien just like was he just reminiscing or did he go like what did adrian wojanowski say about me on draft day and he like Googled it. Like how hard did he have to look to go find it? Did he have to like scroll back through a bunch of Adrian? I mean, like just, I need the whole story here. <laughs> yeah. Like what, why, why this day? Are you sitting on a tarmac? Cause your plane is delayed yet again. <laughs> like that's say? probably as good of, uh, <laughs> as good a guess as any. Um, but, and I love it too, how he's always supporting the young guys that he's connected to this week. It was like all the formula zero participants who are like crushing it, winning state or Mm -hmm. their, um, college team is winning. It's just, it's just so cool to see somebody who's so connected like that. He recorded a, like a, like a, like a pep top video for one of the Oakland AAU teams, I think. And yeah, he's just, he stays involved with everyone who means something to him and i just Mm -hmm. love that about him he's like very present if i could ask him one question right now like it might be a different question six months from now but if i could ask him a question right now i would say how do you like playing as the veteran with really young guys who are like still still developing and like not like close to being developed but like really still like raw <laughs> like mm-hmm. how do you like that I really want to know I really want to know if he's happy I think that he is given how much we've talked about you know how special it is for him to like be a mentor and pour into others but I don't know it for sure but that's like the one burning thing that I want to know like how do you like playing with the young guys who are not necessarily helping you win right now yeah, I always kind of wondered for him whether it like fell more to like a sense of duty or like a place like a source of like enjoyment, mm-hmm. which are not necessarily the same things. Yeah. You know, because I know that like like Dame feels very like like he's responsible to others. He's responsible to the he feels and I know that some people take joy in that as well. But like that that like motivation comes from a different place if it's just because you purely enjoy that thing or because you feel like you're responsible to do this thing to somebody else for somebody else. Like, you know, yeah, very interesting. And and I guess what I'm hoping is that there's at least some modicum of joy he's getting yes. from it. <laughs> Agree. I hope so. OK, well, we had a lot of great social media plays this week. Who do you want to give it to? Who would you give it to? Uh, I. My heart says I want to give it to Jeremy Grant 
because I feel very strongly that <laughs> he connected with you in a way that Justice Winslow probably didn't. <laughs> um, but my head is like, it's probably Dame. Mm-hmm. Thoughts? Yeah, I'm. I, I feel like Dame. And I always want to like give the young guys props for getting in there. Um, and but Dame is just so good. <laughs> He's just so good. And but the combination of just like sheer support plus this one, he's always got to throw out one that makes us going, what is he saying? <laughs> and keeping us uh keeping us engaged by his mysterious tweets is also, yeah, I'd give it to Damien. Even though he like moved on from like like lighting dudes up on Twitter. Cause remember for a long time he would just like, you know. He would totally, he would totally come at people who came at him. Yeah. And he wouldn't like worry about starting a fight on Twitter or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's kind of moved on from that. I think as he's like, he's like grown his family and he has more like, he's, I don't know. He's like, I don't want to say he's grown up more, but like he has more like adult like responsibilities. He's like kind of grown out of that phase. Um, I kind of sense that he's also not like sitting around scrolling on Twitter as much as he used to be. Um, Just by the way, he like uses it. He like, you know, he like he like, We'll be on Twitter when there's like boxing matches mm-hmm. on and stuff, but he's not just like out here tweeting random stuff as much as he used to be. But he still found a way to be really, really interesting and fun and also like good to the fans, even though he's not like roasting guys anymore. Mm-hmm. Except yeah. for the occasional Patrick Beverly, because that guy deserves it. Yeah. No, he'll do he'll do one every once in a while, just enough so that you like hopefully think about it before you at. Damian Lillard yeah that's <laughs> you know true. he'll every once in a while he'll still get one in there he'll get in a pretty good burn hopefully to just like discourage people from picking random fights on the internet with him he also had another one this morning that was just of his daughter that was so cute so 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 cute I'm super biased but his kids are super adorable mm-hmm. So congratulations to Damian Lillard for social media player of the week. A strong week, but he walked away with it. He did. Okay. Before we wrap up, Tara, it's time for us to talk about our takes. Tell me about your take this week. Okay. Second quarter leads don't mean anything. (laughs) That's my take. I am so tired (laughs) of second quarter leads from either side like coming back from a huge deficit in the second quarter or and i'm talking like yeah sec- i'm just saying qu- second quarter i just they don't mean anything i don't want to talk about them they don't mean anything especially if your team doesn't adjust in the third quarter <laughs> what about you what's your take okay my take this week is that i hope that drew eubanks wants to play in portland next year because I don't think that we're going to, it's going to be a situation where we're the only team who wants him after the way he's shown out this year. Like he's really grown a lot this season. He has, I mean, he's done everything that he's been asked to do and more because Nurk has been injured and he's the only other guy that's six, nine or taller. <laughs> and he's really learned a lot. He's become a, I think he's become a better finisher. He's become stronger under, under the basket and he's been a better mover than he was in like compared to like last season or even earlier in this season and i think that we better hope he likes to stay he wants to be in the town where he grew up Mm -hmm. because i don't know how much we really want to pay to keep him around um but i don't want to be in a bidding war with eubanks when we got a lot of other shoes to fill 
I know. I keep wish- I wishing that they could just give Drew like a retroactive raise for this last season because he was on a veteran's minimum of like 1.9 or something like that. And I'm like, he feels like he should at least be getting like three. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see because if the Blazers do actually end up with two draft picks, I would love it if they could either through the draft or through using those draft picks, like get a center with a different skill set. Um, so I don't know, like, yeah, I, I absolutely think that other teams are probably, um, seeing him really favorably and it would be awesome to have him stay, but I'm not sure if that's going to be in the cards. Yeah. I mean, wasn't there, there was a rumor that he has a no trade, uh, right. A no trade clause, but I think it, but he only had a one-year contract. So that would, I think be up. Right. But I'm saying is indication is he'd like to stay. Oh yeah. Maybe, you know, maybe he like, you know, he's went to college here. He's from mm-hmm. here. Maybe he just, maybe he prefers to play close to home if he can and would take a little bit of a pay cut to be, you know, a, just half an hour away from his mom's house or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, we would hate to see his, he has strong dog and pet content as well. He yeah. really could be an example for everybody else who has dogs about ways that you can um, share your pets with everybody on Instagram. We would be really, really hard up if we lost both of his long-haired dachshunds in the uh, most valuable pet conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, we should probably wrap it up there. Uh, thanks so much for talking with me about the Blazers today. Do you want to tell folks how they can find you on the various places they can find you? Yep. You can find me at Roselle Harding on Twitter, on Instagram. Um, you can find me in the the... the we have a take discord you can find me just walking around sometimes just because i like to walk my dog places so you know say hi <laughs> we need more dog content by the way from you too oh yeah sorry i'll i'll, I'll get on that <laughs> what am i thinking <laughs> we need to get your dog a little um uh, a little blazer jersey i think okay uh, okay, so you can find me at TCB Biggs on Twitter, and you can find We Have a Take at We Have a Take. Thank you everyone so much for listening, and go Blazers! <laughs> <laughs>